Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and I'm by myself today because our dear, dear friend, co-host, Charles Chuck Thompson, I'm sorry to tell you this, but he has COVID right now, and he's feeling kind of sick, and... uh wouldn't be good for the podcast. We'll see if I get COVID since I've hung out with Charlie every morning this week, which is a really smart thing to do after you find out that someone has COVID. And so anyway, this is Good Morning Liberty. If it is your first time listening, yes, normally it is me and our co-host Charlie, who I've been friends with for like 20 years. And uh, if it's your first time, maybe you want to go listen to some other episodes too, where it's both of us. So you want to smash that subscribe button, the follow button, hit like, hit retweet, hit all of those things, share it with a friend, a family member. We actually need you guys to do that. It's not just a random thing that we say. And I'm hanging out right now with the Fed Haters Club. The Fed Haters are hanging out. JoinGML.com. It's only six bucks a month. The bare minimum is six bucks a month. Okay. And that means they get to make submissions for Dumb Bleep of the Week, which is today. They're hanging out. We're going to vote on what the dumbest thing was for the week. Kind of a shorter list-ish. I believe this will be a little bit of a shorter episode. I didn't quite catch every single thing that I could have uh, because I also am not feeling well today and I think I'm going to need to make it a, uh, a shorter episode. And so since I need to do that, I reckon we ought to just get right into the list. We got eight items here and the live group is going to vote and we'll figure out what the dumbest thing out of this group is so what is number one well it's going to be bernie sanders because anytime finally bernie gets to make it back into the list i don't see much about him these days but as we know bernie sanders is a very moral person he is a very virtuous person altruistic person and does not like greed whatsoever, especially corporate greed. He hates all those people that are out there taking money from you, wage thieving you on a daily basis. And also this from the New York Post, Bernie Sanders wired $200,000 in campaign money to his family nonprofit. Now, this is one I was actually going to talk about yesterday, but uh, ended up not doing an episode yesterday. And I figure it's dumb enough. One thing dumb on Bernie Sanders' part here is to do something so freaking obviously corrupt. We'll get into the story here for a minute. And then the people that defend him, the people who are going to completely ignore this, that are going to ignore the fact that he's got three houses, all of that stuff. So from the New York Post... BS campaign committee wired $200,000 earlier this year to a nonprofit established by his wife and his stepson. Filing show. The Friends of Bernie Sanders made the payments to the Sanders Institute in two installments of $100,000 in January and March, according to disclosures from the FEC. Those outlays are the largest from the pro-Sanders committee this year. The senator's wife and stepson co-established a think tank and unveiled it publicly in 2017 after Sanders' insurgent 2016 presidential campaign catapulted him to stardom among progressives. Not much is known about the think tank's output, though it appears to be paltry. This is from the New York Times article. 
The group's website primarily consists of links to articles on other outlets by fellows like former Labor Secretary Robert Reich III. The website also includes a vertical marketing a vertical marketing a conference of progressives in Burlington, Vermont called The Gathering. So here's the deal. It's a super on the up and up. Your wife starts a think tank. What does a think tank do? Almost nothing. They try to come up with policy or they try to propose policies, solutions, as some of these people like to call them, although they're not actually solutions for things. And of course, it's super important, I'm sure, for Bernie Sanders' election that this think tank get a lot of money. And if you're going to pick from the vast array of think tanks out there, I bet you the absolute best one is the one that was co-founded by Bernie Sanders' own family members. Because in the market of think tank ideas, this was definitely the best use of the money. Right? Right? Um, probably not. I think we can guess what is going on right now. Will anything come of it? Is the FEC going to do anything about it? It's probably probably legal. You needed You needed this think tank to do work for you. I'm sure they were coming up with policy proposals for Bernie Sanders in his presidential uh, campaigns. And so they were doing work. But are people actually just going to ignore the fact that they happen to go to his family members and pay them a couple hundred thousand dollars for probably nothing, more than likely nothing? Yes, the answer is that a lot of people are just going to ignore because Bernie Sanders says the right things and he hates the right people and he is mad about the same things that the right people are supposedly mad about and so we'll just skip right past this and yes he has a d next to his name that's what's going to uh that's what's going to keep this on the down low It's only going to be your far right fringe organizations that are talking about this. And of course, they're just trying to distract from the most corrupt person to ever live, who is Donald Trump. Anything is just a distraction because they're trying to make up for that. That's what people are going to say. So that's dumb bleep number one, Bernie Sanders. All right. Number two. We have, this is the third week in a row that we're going to talk about Diane Feinstein, and I don't even care about her that much, but unfortunately, neither do her family or friends or any of the Democrats. So I guess we're all on the same page because I've never talked about her before or thought about her as a person. And okay, this is a, this is a post from Chris Jackson, got a ton of retweets, ton of likes, and some people that also disagreed with it. Now, there has been this call for her to resign because not only should she not be making any financial decisions for hundreds of millions of people in the United States or the people uh, that she represents or the state that she represents as a senator, as it should be, uh, she can't even make her own financial decisions because her daughter's got POA. But anyway, people want her to resign for some funny reason. Maybe it's the fact that she's not here anymore and she doesn't even remember how to vote yes on something. Uh, Chris Jackson says, I love you guys, but I don't understand some comments you post about Dianne Feinstein. So talking about people who are on the left and are calling for Dianne Feinstein to resign because she clearly can't do her job. 
Do you guys realize that the judicial appointments will stop if she resigns? Yes, if she resigned, Newsom could appoint a successor, but Republican support would be needed to add her replacement to the Judiciary Committee, and I can guarantee that wouldn't happen. I'm sure she's staying in office for this very reason. She knows without her, the progress of judges comes to a halt. No, she doesn't know that because she doesn't even know how to vote yes on something without someone telling her to do it. So I wouldn't say that she knows that. The people who are handling this old woman who happens to still be alive know that. And just like you would shuffle someone around in a nursing home up to the table for them to eat or over to the bathroom or back to their bed, they're shuffling her around to different committee hearings and telling her what to say. And so on that point, no, she should not be representing people or representing her state. Also, and this goes especially for the compassionate wing, whoever, whoever that is, the compassionate wing of our political spectrum. She also happens to be a human being who is not in good health and is an old woman who doesn't even have her own authority to make her own decisions anymore, say financially or healthcare wise. Her daughter's got that. And we're still just shuffling her around to work every day. Because all she is, is a barely warm body that is still doing the bidding of whoever it is that put her there in the first place. That's all she is to these people. And they know that. Her family knows that, which is the even worse part. Everyone who is in the Senate knows that. Gavin Newsom knows that. Joe Biden used to know that a long time ago. Notice I didn't say she knows that because she doesn't know which way is up. All right. So it's pretty disgusting that this is what politics has devolved into. And this would be the same thing on the right also. I mean, we see it a lot on the left right now. We got John Fetterman, we got Diane Feinstein, we got Joe Biden. And these are basically just either old people that are being pushed around to different places uh, or people who are mentally handicapped through no fault of their own, but are handicapped and are just being used by whoever put them there to vote whichever way they want in the process. And so it's pretty gross that that's what this has become. It's not actually representing the people or the state. It's whatever the special interest is that got you into that seat, in this case, or wheelchair in the first place. That's Stumbleep number two. All right, the next one is a uh, video from Libs of TikTok. And this one has been pretty viral so far. Uh, this is apparently, I'll just read you the caption here. Police in the UK arrested an autistic girl for telling a policewoman she looks like a lesbian. Which is a homophobic public order offense over there in the UK. Man, thank God we broke off from those people. By the way. I wanted to remind everyone, I, I put out a little post about it, but yesterday was actually the most important day. We celebrate July 4th, but August 10th is the day that the king received the Declaration of Independence. All right, so that's, that's when the stuff really hit the fan right then. And then it probably took a couple more months for other stuff to happen. If anything, we benefited from better mail service 
these days. The post office is better than whatever the king was using back then. Okay, so thank God that whole thing happened. Uh, so anyway, let's get into this video. Uh, so just imagine an autistic girl tells a policewoman that she looks like a lesbian. We'll talk about whether or not the policewoman looks like a lesbian. Not that that's important, but let's play the video. Uh, there's no sound here in the beginning of it. This is what police do when dealing with autistic children. This is the caption on the video. My daughter told me the police officer looked like her Nana, who is a lesbian. The officer obviously took it the wrong way and said it was a homophobic comment. It wasn't. The officer then entered my home and assaulted me. My daughter was having panic attacks from being touched by them, and they still continued to manhandle her. Uh, let's see when the sound actually starts here. So... She's made a comment in her own house. You've got her own camera. She hasn't said anything to you. Don't matter. She never thought matters on. She's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. Why are you doing it? Don't worry. She hasn't done anything. She's autistic. She's autistic. I'm telling you, I thought you was coming. She's going to be arrested tonight. I'm going to wait until the police is coming. I'm going to wait until the police is coming. That's why we got her on the first place. You fucking bitch, what me if I get put down? She's autistic. Can you stop staring at her, please? She's got autism. Can you just stand there? She's in a cupboard. She can't go anywhere. She can't go anywhere. Stand there, dear. They're going to remove her for what? Because you're from your cupboard. Think she said the word lesbian. Her nana is a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She's not on the phone. Look what you're clenching your face. Go away from. All right, first off, I'll pause it right here. This is an important part to pause it if you're watching the video. So the mom is saying she's autistic. Uh, the cop is saying, I don't care. I really don't care. The daughter is hiding in a cupboard, as they call it across the pond, is hiding in a, in a cupboard and punching herself in the head because she's having a panic attack. And the cop is saying, I don't care that she's autistic. Why does the cop not care that she's autistic? Because this police officer that we have frozen the frame on right here was so deeply offended that a 16-year-old autistic girl said, I mean, just wildly speculating or just saying things off the cuff, who cares, whatever. But she's so clearly wrong, and we can all agree with that. Why does the cop not care? Because this girl said that this cop looks like a lesbian. And um, if you're not watching the video right now, I'll just tell you, the cop basically looks like Conan O'Brien. All right. Who also looks like a lesbian. My teenage daughter. What is up with you? There is something wrong with you, mate. She didn't aim it at the police officer. It's not a homophobic remark. She said, I think she's a lesbian, like Nana. If you want to bully people, you'll just get one of them badges there. That's what you do. She's autistic. She do not like people touching her. She will have a meltdown. She won't come out. She's got autism. I'm Lisa. So she can come out. We're trying not to do this, aren't we? We've been trying for a long time. But she hasn't done nothing, no. That officer out there has assaulted me for no reason. She's got autism. She's autistic, man.
The issue is, if, if an officer decides to arrest her... They want her, she got arrested! No, they brought her up! She went, she, she's under arrest. No, but she was going upstairs and she made a comment to me and that officer ran in my house and assaulted me and tried to get to my daughter for now. If you want to make a complaint about any of it, that's fine. I am all, going all the to... Will, will have been on. I am going to... Uh, yeah, because it, it is on and she has... She's now under arrest. She, 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 she was full of rage and she ran in the house and she barged me into this corner. All right, we lost sound again on the video. Looks like we're back to um, body cam footage uh, from the cops. And so there they are putting the girl on the ground, arresting her as she's screaming and crying. And that's, uh, that's great. That's great. The streets are safer now. Um, protect and serve. Protect and serve. All because someone got their feelings hurt. And since when is it even homophobic to say that someone looks like a lesbian? Why, why does that mean that it's a bad thing? Can you not look like a lesbian? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I didn't know that that was homophobic. You just, just say it right, right out. Can you not look that way? I don't know. Who knows? I think I got my numbers wrong here. This was supposed to be number four. Let me see if I skip past one back here. Yeah, I did skip past one. So everyone just remember that technically, because I'm going to go by the list that I originally made, that was number four, the UK lesbian police officer and all of the other police who were just doing their job following orders. So you can't blame them, right? Okay. All right. Technically, as far as numbers go, that was number four. This was supposed to be number three. Just a real quick, real quick thing here. <sighs> From Lycan Jordal, this one also had a ton of retweets and all that because, you know, we got a border crisis, got a situation, and Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been taking it upon himself to try and put up barriers to stop people from coming across the Rio Grande, specifically. This person who, the reason I saw this was because uh, this journalist and quote, and in quotations, Aaron Rupar, I think is his name, retweeted this out also and had some words to say about it. Didn't mention the dumbest part. Here's what it reads. Texas Governor Abbott has installed circular saws between the Rio Grande border buoys to maim or kill anyone who attempts to climb over. Two bodies have already been found trapped in the floating barrier. He wants more migrants to die. All right, let me find the, uh, here's a little video of what they look like for you. Yeah, somebody went through a lot of ridiculous effort to design these things. All right, that right there. This is where you would say online, tell me that you don't know anything about circular saws without telling me that you don't know anything about circular saws. But I happen to be a saw expert, all right, with all of my years of construction. And I have, in fact, gotten to the bottom of this and determined that this is not a circular, circular saw. Uh, it's not, all right? Now, this might have jagged edges around a 
a uh, circular piece of metal. But first off, there's no motor turning this thing, uh, making it spin or anything. It's closer to looking like uh, something like a, a sprocket, maybe something like that. You know, part of a gear, essentially, is, uh, is, is sort of what it looks like. And it is made, from what I read up on, what I found was uh, it's made to deter people from trying to take the buoys apart because apparently people were getting to the buoys and they were finding ways to disconnect them. So yes, they did put something uh, between the buoys uh, that has some jagged edges on it, but it's, I mean, you, you could still just reach between it. It's, it's not that, it's not that crazy. And it's also less dangerous than barbed wire or razor wire. They say that two people had already been found dead. I notice he didn't mention that two people had been found dead because they got hit in the face with this spinning circular saw. That's, that's not why they were found dead. I can guarantee you that right there. Okay, so that is technically number three. We already did number four, which was the UK lesbian police. Number five, this is a fun one. I don't know how I found this story, if it was from the live group or if it just uh, came across my news feed somewhere. But the city mistakenly tore down this man's home and now they're suing him for the demolition cost. That's right. He is now getting sued for the demolition cost for them demolishing for that demo his bed. home. I'm not going to let the city All right, take... let me go back here. Gray has been reporting on problems with the city's code enforcement division for some time. Justin's with us live in southwest Atlanta. Yeah, and Justin, I'm standing right now on Lawton Street, but the paperwork for the demolition of what's now this vacant lot. It was for Lawton Avenue. That's a different place a mile away. But instead of correcting the mistake, the city is now trying to foreclose on this property to pay for that demo bill. I'm not going to let the city take this from me. I'm going to fight them tooth and nail. It's just a lot now. The city demolished the Southwest Atlanta house. But Everett Tripodis was served with a lawsuit from the city of Atlanta saying they intend to foreclose and take the land. When I saw that it came from the city, I was quite excited. Maybe it was an, a letter of apology. Maybe it was a check. Uh, maybe they're going to justly compensate me. I opened it up and realized that they were suing me. We told you in a Channel 2 Action News story in March how before tearing down the house, the city sent its notices that an inspector found the house unfit for habitation to wrong addresses. Certified letters were returned to sender. Even the official demolition hearing notice was for Lawton Avenue, zip code 30314. But Tripodis' home is on Lawton Street, 30310, 1.4 miles away. Our Channel 2 Action News. Oh, okay. It probably does, probably does happen a lot, I would say. Um, it's Lawton uh, Avenue versus Street. It's only 1.4 miles away from the house that is supposed to be demolished. They demolished the guy's house. Not only is he totally screwed, they then try to come after him for the cost. It, just imagine, can you guys actually imagine thinking that that is okay? Like what person in government did this thinking that what they were serving the public somehow who are they serving whose interests are they serving their own 
what the heck is actually going on here? How do you accidentally demolish someone's house when it was supposed to be a different one? They still got to demolish the other one, by the way. And then you come after them to foreclose on their land to get the money to pay for the wrongful demolishing of their house. What the actual F is going on? This is what, and this is a city government. How does this happen? Someone tell me what the heck is going on right now. It's almost like there has to be more to the story because this is so ridiculous, it's hard to believe. <sighs> My God, it's pretty bad when you can't even get good local governance and you can't even get, even when they mess up. They can't just say, okay, I'm sorry, and then they got to pay for it. You know, maybe they need wrongful demolition insurance or something like that. No, they're just going to, they're going to live out their lie. They're going to live it out and come after you for the money. Absolutely insane. That's number five. Okay, number six, Mike Pence, who was polling at around 6% via the last uh, 538 poll, I believe that came out yesterday. Uh, so Mike Pence wants you to know that he is in tune with the common everyman. When you look at Mike Pence, you say, that looks like a guy who drives an F-150 or actually with that curvature right there, that could be a Chevy truck. I'm not sure which one that is. Um, that looks like a guy who drives a pickup truck and pumps his own gas. And he knows the problems that we're going through, honey, look at him. He's getting gas right now. So that's how we know. There's only one, there's only one problem here. Here's the commercial. This amazing commercial made by, made by tons of people who know about the common everyman's struggles. Hey everybody, Mike Pence here. Remember $2 a gallon gas? I do. And then Joe Biden became president of the United States and launched his war on energy. Since that time, gasoline prices are up 60%. Electricity prices are up 25%. Joe Biden's war on energy is causing real hardship for working families, small businesses, and family farms. But we've got a plan to relieve all of that. We just unveiled the Pence Energy Plan. All right, so since everyone there is just a common everyman who does everyday everyman things, or every woman, whichever one it is, I don't know. Maybe they all drive EVs. Maybe that's the problem. Okay, but I'm sure they charge their own cars. What no one noticed in filming this, you got the former vice president over here filming this. So there's a bunch of people out there behind them as they're filming this commercial. And no one notices that he gets out of this truck that's definitely his and pulls out the nozzle and puts it in his, puts it in his truck. And you know... When the thing keeps beeping because you haven't selected your fuel type yet and you're not actually pumping gas, which by the way, you don't just get out of your truck and then put the nozzle into the truck without swiping the credit card or doing something like that first. Um, he just stands there holding the gas nozzle as if it's pumping gas while there's beeping going on in the background, which is the beep that you get when you haven't selected your fuel type or paid for the gas yet. No one noticed this. This make like this is the best you got. That you're telling me that the vice president, the former vice president, can't get better people filming his commercial or can't notice that it's not actually pumping gas or can't notice that even if you're going to fake pumping gas, 
that there's still beeping going on in the background, indicating that you're not pumping gas. You couldn't have actually pumped gas for the commercial. Just one, you got one thing. Christopher Nolan detonated the mother of all bombs for Oppenheimer. He crashed a real 747 into a real airport in Tenet, and you can't actually pump the gas in the commercial? Come on, man. How are you going to be the president if you can't actually pump gas in a commercial? That's ridiculous. All right, Mike Pence. That's number six right there. Okay. This one's actually got a couple videos associated with it. One of them, luckily, from Nina Turner. But we do have uh, two videos. There's an article I probably won't get into. But it's going to be called Capitalist Work Ethic or Slash the American Dream. And so I, I noticed this... Uh, this article from Jacobin, maybe that's how you say it, uh, talking about the capitalist work ethic, and they say that if you care about human freedom, you should reject the capitalist work ethic. There was also this video that Charlie had showed me um, from a uh, Instagram account that he follows, and uh, talking about capitalism and the work ethic and all the ways that it can ruin your life and ruin your relationships. Uh, and then Nina Turner posted this video, uh, reposted this video talking from a Alabama mom's rant about the unattainable American dream going viral. So let me uh, play that video for you. We'll talk about this American dream, whether or not, you know, it's capitalism that is the problem. And uh, we'll We'll start off with this Alabama mom who's upset about her what her kids are having to go through. I am so tired of feeling helpless as a parent. Yes, my kids are grown adults. My oldest is 28, my youngest is 25. And I thought by teaching them what I learned, which is you work hard, you get a good job, you're gonna get the things in life that you need, right? Worked for me, why wouldn't it work for them? Cause it doesn't, because the world has changed, all right? And now I feel like I see them struggling. And before my generation comes at me, yes, I understand struggling is a part of life. We all struggled. But there's a difference between struggling and drowning. All right. So we struggled and it was tough. But you know what? We made it. We knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel with our struggle. It seems like kids today, no matter how much they struggle, they just get further and further down the water into the drowning point. All right. When I was their age, I was making less than $10 an hour and I can afford to live on my own. Now you have to be making six-figure salary to get a decent, tiny little place to live. So what the f is going on and how do we help them as parents? I told my son, all you have to do is work hard, go to college or join the military like I did. Um, he went to college, got his degree, got a full-time job. He moved back in with me right when he graduated from college because he said, hey mom, as soon as I get a job, which was within two weeks of him getting out of college, um, Maybe take me two months and I'll save up enough money for me to move out. Okay, cool. It's been 10 months. He has saved almost every dime and still can't afford to live. Why are one bedroom studio apartments almost $2,000 a month? Why? Like, I, I just don't get it. So I don't even think that there's even classes anymore. There used to be, uh, you know, upper class, middle class, lower class. It's literally turning into the ultra wealthy and then everybody else is just poor. It's the ultra wealthy and everybody else is just poor because her kid, um, I, she didn't say what degree he got, but 
it's not paying enough to save up to uh, pay $2,000 a month for an apartment, for, uh, for a studio apartment. Now, I don't know where they live. We'll talk about the inflation devaluation uh, aspect of this as well. But I don't know where they live. But one possible solution is to get away from your mom's house and move to a place where they have cheaper, more affordable living, or maybe they have no state taxes or something like that. Because, uh, I mean, I'm here in the suburbs of Nashville and you're not going to pay $2,000 a month for a studio apartment. You could actually rent a decent house for that amount of money. So first off, you might be living in an area where the cost of living is too high. Now, why would it be that much for a studio apartment? Well, then maybe some of your angst instead of the ultra wealthy and everyone else is poor. Now, she doesn't blame it on the wealthy. She's asking what's going on in this video. So you could ask what's going on and you could reach multiple conclusions. You could say, well, people are price gouging you. People are screwing you over, uh, corporate greed, stuff like that. Or you could say, well, why is it 2000 a month for that apartment? Why did it cost the people who build the apartments so much money? to build the apartments. Why aren't there more, why aren't there so many apartments to choose from that the prices are actually going down on the apartments instead of continuously going up all the time? So why aren't they building enough to keep up with the amount of people that are trying to get those apartments? Well, then you could look at rules and regulations surrounding building apartments. You could also look at rent control laws, which actually discourage people from building places like this, especially affordable places like this, because they're the ones who have to actually comply with all of the rent control laws. More expensive places don't have to. So there's some things that she could look at. The other thing you look at, well, she says well, she was making less than $10 an hour when she was young. She looks like, um, you know, I'm sorry, she said she had a 28-year-old and a 25-year-old. Um, I'm going to say that she's at least in her 40s. We'll just say that, all right? When she was a kid, she could afford everything that she needed. That's true. Um, she could not afford a cell phone. Uh, she could not afford gig speed internet. And she could not afford to pay for Netflix or Amazon uh, or her Amazon subscription, any of those things, when she was her kid's age. Uh, she couldn't afford a lot of things. She couldn't afford a car with the safety rating that the car she's in right now has, or a car that had all of the bells and whistles when she was her kid's age. And the point of saying all that is, we got a lot more stuff now than we used to have. And it's not just that we got a lot more stuff, we got a lot nicer stuff than we used to have. And there are a lot of things that people are paying for right now that simply wasn't an option 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or however long it was, uh, when she was her kid's age because it didn't exist. So she couldn't afford those things. And so therefore she didn't need any money to pay for any of those things. So that's another thing to consider. Also, how much money has been printed since then? Probably a lot of money. In fact, almost all the money that's been printed has probably been printed since then, which is devaluing all of our currency. And so you could, yes, also look at inflation and the devaluation of the dollar at the same time. So there are several reasons that things could be tougher now than they were back then. 
I would need to know what degree her son went and got and what area of the country they live in to first off see if there were some very simple solutions to what sounds like a complex problem. Also, how much money did her son pay for college versus what she paid for college? She went into the military. Hers could have been paid for. Uh, she did not say her son went into the military, so he could also be paying uh, for that. And the cost of college has probably gone up 500% since she went. And why did that happen? The government wasn't backing all of the student loans when she went to college. And now they are. So there's a lot of problems out there. Nina Turner is the one who I saw retweet this. Nina Turner said she understands. She gets it. Every word. Okay, we can understand that that's a problem. But Nina Turner, she was not saying that all of your solutions are the sol solutions to this. Now, we're going to switch to this relationship counselor and talking about capitalism. Don't use this person for relationship advice. I would just, uh, it's just a recommendation. I'm not a counselor or anything, uh, but that's just my personal recommendation. Let's see. Instagram's really weird. I think I'm going to have to, I think I have to refresh this. Let me see. Serve it or not, capitalism has fundamentally shaped and warped how we relate to each other. Do I like capitalism? Hell no. Capitalism is fundamentally exploitive and inequitable. People over profits, tax the rich, AOC for president. But do I live in a capitalist society where the only way to survive is to be a productive worker drone so I can afford to support my extravagant tastes in furniture? Yes. I have a furniture kink. Sue me. It's capitalism, so you totally could. But until we manage to overthrow the fat cats in charge and eradicate billionaires, there's not a lot we can do about our life under capitalism. There is, however, something we can do about the effects it has on our psyches and, more specifically, how we behave in our relationships. From the second we're born, we're indoctrinated with capitalist ideals. All right, first off, before I forget about it, um... He's talking about going every day, working your butt off for the man, basically. And uh, does he have to do that to afford all of his extravagant taste in furniture? Well, yeah, he does. He does have to do that because he wants to afford all of these really nice things. Okay, but we only have to do that because we haven't overthrown all the fat cats in charge and instituted uh, socialism or democratic socialism because he wants AOC to be the president. Um, so if we didn't have capitalism, he would still be able to get all of that really nice extravagant furniture that he says he spends all of his money on. It would just exist, right? People would voluntarily create it. We would still have lower level furniture. And then we would also have really, really high, super nice level furniture. And you would just be able to have all of it. And some people would pick the lower level furniture and some people, only him probably, would pick the really nice furniture. No, what would happen is everyone would pick the really nice furniture. So that's what everyone would naturally want. And so that's what people honestly just wouldn't be able to continue making because so much more time and money or effort resources goes into that. And uh, you wouldn't have the nice furniture. That's the moral of the story. But he really wants it. And so he has to participate in capitalism. 
ideals and values, whether it's from the government, our family, or the culture writ large, we're receiving messages about what it means to be a good person from day one. To be a person of value under capitalism is to be as productive as possible. And we are taught early on that our success will be rewarded if we play by capitalism's rules. Spoiler alert, the rules are a bunch of biased, unjust bullshit. Let's look at the skills and Okay, he says to be a person of value under capitalism uh, is to be as productive as possible. That's a way of saying it, but that's not the best way of saying it. To be a person of value would be someone who provides the most value to other people, like him right now, who probably posts out these videos and then offers you a way to take one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, from him where he gives you terrible relationship advice. And so he's providing value to people. And that's probably why he can afford all of the really nice extravagant furniture that he gets. And so it's not even being as productive as possible. It's providing as much value to other people as possible, which is why capitalism is so great, because that is how you get value in return. It's people trading value with what they can create of value, what they can produce or provide as value for what other people provide as value, and then win-win, right? Traits encouraged under capitalism, proving that you're the best and better than anyone else, exerting power and control over your environment, expressing yourself the loudest, being competitive and taking others down, failing or pivoting if something isn't working. But here's the catch. While these traits might be advantageous in the competitive world of capitalism, they don't translate well into our personal relationships. Our partnerships aren't marketplaces to be won. Instead, they should be safe spaces where understanding, compassion, and genuine connection thrive. It's vital to pause and reflect. Are the tenets of capitalism subtly affecting how you treat your sweetie? Be proactive. Challenge yourself to recognize and change these patterns. After all, while we might be products of our society, we hold the power to determine how we show up in our most intimate connections. I'm not going to get into the relationship aspect of it, but I think he's, I think you're right about some things. For instance, if you imagine like your cutthroat businessman uh, or woman or whatever they, uh, that gets to the top, you, you know, the kind of thing that I'm, that I'm talking about. Okay, that's probably not great in your relationship, but it would also be good to uh, not just, you see, in your, in your socialist relationship, uh, what you would then expect is for someone to just keep providing you with value and give you what you want and that you never need to provide anything to them in return. Now, does it have to be transactional purely, like you're keeping a ledger? No, but morally, you shouldn't just sit there and, get take 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 and take from people and then never give them anything back and expect them to be fine with that and that's actually more of a socialist or whatever collectivist way of going through relationships uh it it's it's kind of okay i'll, I'll give you one thing with relationships i do think relationships are, are kind of a mark i think of relationships as kind of a market for instance, if my wife were to leave me, which is never going to happen, okay, because I'm awesome. All right. But if she were, that's, 
I kind of look at that as a market and it's my job to be better than any of her other options, right? Is that a bad way of looking at things? Like, I want to be her best option. Doesn't that make me better? And doesn't that make her better? If she does the same thing, I, I, I feel like that's a good thing. Instead of just locking someone into it and they have to put up with you no matter how terrible you are because you have a monopoly somehow. That doesn't sound good. I think a, a marketplace is, is, is good. A, more, a moral marketplace in a relationship is good. So uh, I, I don't understand what's wrong with that. Is that capitalism? I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Okay, we'll move on. That was, uh, that's number seven. I'll skip the article because um, I already kind of told you what it was about. Uh, they say Jacobin or however you say it, Jacobin. The capitalist work ethic insists that we keep our hands down, heads down, and work endlessly, even if our job is degrading. Democratic socialists want to free workers from drudgery so we can develop our full human potential and simply enjoy the one life that we have, as far as we know. Whatever jobs that people are doing, that people consider to be degrading, or the, the drudgery that you're going to be freed from. This is a very common question that is like one of the most obvious go-tos that people have always had, and it's become cliche. Who's going to do those jobs? People are doing them right now because they're necessary, because they're needed. We know that they're necessary and needed because people turn over their money for those jobs, whatever it is that those people are putting out. So we know that they're necessary. If they weren't necessary, then they wouldn't exist, or the government would be forcefully taking our money and paying people to do them. And so distorting the market at that time. But they are necessary because people freely decide to hand over their money for whatever it is. And so who's going to do them? And so then you would say, well, it'd be people that want to do those jobs. Well, then why aren't those people doing those jobs right now? Why aren't the people who are naturally going to want to do those jobs under socialism just going and doing those jobs right now? And then the people who don't want to do them going and doing other jobs that they actually want to do? I think that these are questions that need to be answered, although no one's going to answer them. Well, we know the answer to them. Okay, last one. Don't believe number eight, Sam Harris. Poor, poor Sam. He got TDS really bad. Uh, and then he got the uh, the COVID hysteria really bad, decided to become a tyrant authoritarian, or maybe he was always that way, I don't know. But he used to say some pretty smart things. And he's uh, been in favor of the vaccines and the mandates, mainly the vaccine mandates and all of the uh, COVID lockdown stuff, basically the whole COVID regime thing. And here's one minute posted out by Dave Smith. Thanks for posting this, posting this out, Dave. Um, explaining why he is in support of these vaccine mandates or how things could have been different. He's just making up a new scenario, essentially. And so let's listen to his new scenario and then we'll talk about it. You know, but dial up the, the deadliness of the pathogen. You know, give us something like, you know, airborne Ebola that incubates for a month, you don't, you don't know you have it and you're, you walk around spreading it and it's got, you know, a 75% fatality rate and it's mostly killing kids. 
no one gets to make that choice anymore. I mean, then literally the, the cops come in and vaccinate you. And I, w I would say that all of us would agree to that the moment, again, that you turn up the lethality uh, on, the, on the pathogen, you turn up the effectiveness of the vaccine, you turn down the risk of the vaccine. Give me a truly safe vaccine where there's not even one documented case of vaccine injury, right? So that then you just have to be completely crazy to be worried about being vaccinated in that in that kind of environment. Um, then it's just a no-brainer. Then then we just don't tolerate a diversity of opinion because the stakes are too high. It's it's a full-on emergency. Bodies of kids are being stacked up in parks, right? We we there's so many of them we don't know what to do with them. We've got these mobile morgues. And we have a vaccine that actually works, and then we've got RFK Jr. saying, you know, maybe you don't want, you know, maybe you don't want to get the jab on Rogan's podcast, right? That's that. That's the the world I've been worried about ever since. Okay, if he's legitimately worried about that world, then there's something wrong with his brain, and that's fine. If there's something wrong with his brain, that's fine. But just think about what he describes. First off, he. He's been worried about this since COVID because of the way that people reacted to COVID and the vaccines and the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and all of that. And he brings up RFK for being anti-vax or saying that some people shouldn't take the vaccine. So he's been worried about this. So then he lays out a scenario where we have a 75% mortality rate. We have a 100% effective vaccine with a 100% safety rating as well which makes it a miracle medication and the only medication to ever exist that would be this way. But anyway, so imagine we had a 75% mortality rate and a miracle medication that was 100% effective and safe, verified. Then you could not tolerate a diversity of opinion. And so that is what he is worried about. He's worried about the principle of the matter. He's laying out this straw man, I guess is what you would call it, argument to make the case for why people shouldn't have been this way during COVID. But the problem is COVID was not this thing that he is laying out. COVID had a less than 1% mortality rate, has a less than 100% mortality rate, more like 0.5 or like 0.3% mortality rate. And it's mostly people who are elderly or immunocompromised. The vaccines originally were supposed to be 95% effective. They were out the gate less than 95% effective. Uh, drops down to very, very low rates. I'm not going to try and quote any rates because I don't want them to be wrong right now. But very, very low. Okay, so we got that. Also, there seems like there are some side effects. I don't have any proof of those side effects. I can make the assumption that there are side effects because every other medication that exists has side effects. Every single one of them has side effects. You guys ever watch the medication commercial? All right. You got a woman pushing her kid on a swing for five seconds, and then they read all the different ways that you could die from this medication. And that's what a medication commercial is. They've even gotten so, they've gone so far down this, uh, this list on side effects, the legality of it. This is why you haven't seen an actual commercial for the vaccine. 
but you you see like public service announcements to get vaccinated. You don't see a commercial from Pfizer for the vaccine because they're legally obligated to list out all of these things that people have been saying exist and that they've been getting censored for. So you're not going to get a commercial for it. They even have to tell you not to take it if you're allergic to it. Like there are medications out there and on the list, they tell you don't take it if you're allergic to this medication. That's how many dumb things they list out, but we don't get anything about the vaccine. Okay. Sorry. Let's get back to the Sam Harris thing. If this were the case, you would not have to worry about people's diversity of opinion. They would be aligned in one specific direction in a couple different ways here. If you had 75% mortality rate and you had a vaccine that was even close to 100% effective, people would be killing people that are in line to get to the vaccine. All right? I would be in line for the vaccine. And you got a 100% effective vaccine. He's saying that you can't tolerate people who refuse to get vaccinated. The cops have to come to your house and vaccinate you. That's also an interesting idea, given the fact that it's a 100% effective vaccine, meaning that anyone who chooses to get the vaccine is protected from people who did not get the vaccine. So why would you have to go to people's houses and forcefully vaccinate them? since people are not going to spread it to other people and they're not going to contract it if they've gotten the vaccine, meaning it's a personal choice at that moment. So then why still would you have to mandate it? Even the insane hypothetical he lays out makes no sense. That is not what people... People reacted this way because we had an extremely low mortality rate and we had rushed vaccines and we had side effects... We had a lot of problems going on there. We had the COVID regime. We had the Fauci doublespeak, all this stuff going on. That's why people reacted the way that they did. And you can't take this reaction and apply it to the deadliest thing that's ever happened in human history with the perfect from on high vaccine as an option for people to take and say that they would react the same way. That's completely ridiculous. Fear mongering and say, I don't know, whatever trip, whatever acid trip or mushrooms or whatever he went on he never came off of it and that sucks all right those are the dumb bleeps for this week's uh let's get through number one bernie 200k number two diane feinstein should stay in there because of judge appointments or whatever number three the circular saw that's between those buoys number four the uk lesbian police officer number five the house demolished but they want him to pay for it Number six, Pence, definitely pumping gas. Number seven, the capitalist work ethic. And number eight, Sam Harris. Let's get your votes in. Well, everyone's getting their votes in in the dumb bleep of the week voting channel. While that is happening, I will tell you to go to joingmail.com so you can hang out with the live group every day of the week when we want to. Every day of the week when we want to. Two, which is pretty much every day of the week, all right? The Times, good luck with that. We've now officially gone live at every single time during the day that we possibly can. Someday we'll get to a consistent time period, I know. Join gmail.com, all right? Even if you can't come and hang out, but you want to support the show because you want us to be able to keep going and pay our bills because you're getting valuable content, that we, we've helped you pass another hour of your miserable drudgery life going to your capitalist hellhole every single day, uh, well then, hey, 
Shouldn't we get some kind of a compensation for that? We don't have to, though. I'm just asking. Join gmail.com. Six bucks or you can make a donation. You can pay a higher amount, whatever you want to do. Share the show with a friend, at least, if you don't want to put up the six bucks. All right? Share it to your Twitter account or your X account. Either one's fine. Facebook or Instagram, stories, whatever you want to do. We would greatly appreciate that. Leave a rating and a review on your podcast app as well. Okay, who... Well, we need a, uh, oh no, we are split through here. We need, let's see, right now, the decision will be between, I'm going to narrow it down. The decision will be between the UK lesbian cop and the house demolishing. So number four and five, I need some people to pull your votes and swing this one way or the other. Where are we going? Where are we going? What are we coming up with? It's going to be number five. The guy's house getting demolished. That's a surprising one with the whole UK cop thing and the Sam Harris thing. I, I got to tell you, I didn't I didn't think that was the one that was going to win, but I love it when that happens. I love not I, I love not knowing which one's actually going to get people's vote. So that's exciting. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Uh, we got to go. It's the weekend and I feel like I'm getting sick. Because if I breathe in more than like halfway, I start coughing. And uh, normally that means that it's COVID and I'm going to die. So if I'm not back here on Monday, I'm sorry. Remember, I'm still not in favor of vaccine mandates. And I still don't trust this one, okay? No matter what happens. And no matter what Deathbed Nate decides to say, because I'm Deathbed Nate, it's still not okay to mandate people to take a product against their will. It's not okay. That's a joke. Everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be right back here on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. See you later. Have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.